We've been going through a series called Everyday Wisdom, and we're just going to jump right into it. So today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at compassion. And Eric just read the key verse that we want to look at, and that's Proverbs uh, 14.31. And so Proverbs 14.31, as he read, says, whoever oppresses the poor, whoever uses one's authority unjustly to exploit the poor, shows contempt, shows reproach, shows insults, insults the maker, their maker, for whoever is kind or shows generous compassion to the needy honors God. We see that God has called Christians to have compassion for the poor, and that's really what we're going to talk about today is compassion for the poor. And as a church, we like to think that we have compassion for the poor. As I started thinking about this message this morning, I started to think about an examination. And recently I went to the doctor and I had this head-to-toe examination. I don't know if you ever had a head-to-toe examination. They start at your head and they go all the way to your toe. And before I had this examination, I thought to myself, well, I'm pretty good. There's not going to be any issues. Um, I'm pretty healthy. And as we started to go through the examination, I thought, you can see that's kind of the paper they used. I thought, they're not going to really find much because I'm a strong guy. But as we went through, I realized there's a lot more that I didn't know that I I had. And today what I want to do is I want to go through a head-to-toe examination and determine if we have compassion for the poor as we think we do. Let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless this time. Uh, Father, we come to you right now and we just pray that you would open our hearts as we open your word. We love you and we ask that you would expose any, anything, our lack of compassion. May your word come alive. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I started to get the examination, as I started to have this examination, the first thing they looked at was my head. And they started doing these like cognitive uh, things to make sure that I was thinking right. And so it's the same thing as we talk about the poor, look at the poor. We have to have correct thinking about the poor. And so as we start, our first, uh, first thing is compassion for the poor is sanctified inclusion. Sanctified inclusion. Proverbs 22, 2 says, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. What do I mean by sanctified inclusion? Sanctified inclusion is is a mindset, a mindset that recognizes that all people are made in the image of God and have intrinsic value, no matter where they fall out on the socioeconomic strata. We're all all children of God. We're We're all made in his image. It's, when I mean sanctified inclusion, I mean it's a mindset that says us instead of them. It's us. We're in it together, not just them. When I, uh, when I pastored at, at Trice Christ Community Church um, on the Indian Reservation, it was, it was interesting because we would have people that would want to um, come aboard the reservation and they would want to pour into the reservation because there's a, a sort of mystique there, you know, of, of the reservation. And I would have these discussions with people that wanted to do work aboard the reservation and they had this kind of sense like it's us and them, like the poor, those poor Indians. 
You know, those poor Indians. And, and it was in a way that was kind of wrapped up in this dignity, and I like to call it dignified exclusion. It was dignified, and it sounded very dignified, but at the core, it was a them and us. It was, it was, they're just the poor Indians that we need to help. And I started thinking about this as I went through this message, and I thought to myself, what do I think about when I see the poor? Like, what's my first thought? What's your first thought when you see the poor? You see someone panhandling or they have a sign. What's your first thought? And get real with this. I got real with myself on this, and honestly, I, I felt horrible. My first thought is, well, what got them into struggle? That was my first thought. Like, simply, that's my first thought. And, it, and naturally, I have this them mentality. I just, I, I want to confess that because I don't think I'm alone in that initial thought. So I'm going to challenge us. I want to challenge us throughout the week. Pray and ask God to expose these prejudice in your thoughts towards the poor. It starts with the proper mindset. It's us, us made in the image of God, all of us. Challenge those. Ask God to expose those. The next thing on my examination is they looked at my eyes and they did these, these, this, this weird thing. And it's like a viewfinder. Have you ever had your eyes checked out? You put it, your face in this like thing. Like first thing I thought is, is how many people put their face in this thing? But anyways, I, I put my face in this thing and there's like all these like circles and all these different colors and they're like, what number did you see? Or, or whatever. What they were trying to do is to ensure that I was seeing the right thing. And it's the same thing with us. We must have a correct vision when we look at the poor so that we can help them in the right way. So the second point I have is compassion for the poor is strategic generosity. Strategic generosity. Proverbs 13, 23 says, Unplowed field produces food for the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. There's a lot of injustice as it pertains to the poor. And we need to look for opportunities to be generous to the poor, and there's plenty of them out there. However, we must be strategic in this. Because poverty isn't just a matter of dollars and cents. We like to think it's a, a matter of just dollars and cents. It's very complex, and, and we could spend hours on talking about the complexity of poverty, but the fact is, is we need to be very strategic. I, I was reminded, as I was looking at this, of a story that happened in Afghanistan. Um, so, and maybe you've heard this story. They don't have a lot of fresh water, like in Afghanistan, in some of these villages. And so they decided, well, let's go and build wells for these villages. And the way that they would get their water is the women would get together in the morning, and they'd go on this long trek to a water source that took hours, and then they'd carry it around in buckets, bring it back to the village, and it was like an almost like a half-day thing. And so we went in there and we decided, we being the United States Military Service, went in there and made wells. We said, well, we can make wells for some of these folks. And when we made wells in these, in these villages, the people were livid. They were not happy that we made wells. We thought we were making their lives easier. But in fact, that time that the women spent going to get water was their social time. That was the time they got to get away. And that was the time relationships were formed. But we had no clue that that was even 
That's what they were doing. We just thought we're going to make their lives better. And it's the same thing as we look in the poverty how we can help. It's not just a matter of throwing money at the problem because we might be doing something worse. So the question is, is how can we be strategic in our generosity to the poor? I think it starts with getting a better understanding of the overall situation in the culture. Like I mentioned, that, that thing in Afghanistan, the villages in Afghanistan, we had no idea, but we didn't really seek to look and understand the culture either. The other thing we could do is talk to like-minded people, organizations that are already helping and kind of get that insight. We also need to pray for wisdom in this and listen to the Spirit as He guides us to help the poor. I'm not saying that you not to help. I'm just saying be strategic about your help because at the core of this, you want to do better, right? We all want to do better. But if we thought that what we were doing was actually doing worse, we wouldn't want to do it. So we want to make sure that we're listening, we're asking for wisdom, we're listening to the Spirit on this. And this applies in a large scale and a small scale. So let's think about a small scale thing. Something very practical here in the Merrimack Valley. What can we do? Well, one of the things that someone mentioned was is buying Dunkin' Donuts cards in $5 increments. When you see someone, give them a Dunkin' Donuts card. Help them out or give them a grocery card or go buy groceries for them on an individual scale. But that was something that was recommended to me by someone locally that does a lot of work. But we need to understand exactly what we could do. We need to ask, we need to ask questions. And we're confronted with these opportunities every single day. Have you ever passed by someone and went, I don't know if I should do something right now. Listen, I'm not saying, when I say strategic generosity, I'm not saying use this as an excuse not to do something. I'm just saying, think about what you're doing. Ask for wisdom. And if the Spirit is putting it on your heart to help, then help. So let me ask you, what are some opportunities for some people that the Lord has put on your heart lately? It's all around us. What is it? As I continued in my examination, we started checking out my, my jaw and my mouth and my voice just to make sure that everything was working properly, that I could speak fine. And it's the same thing with us. We need to make sure that we're saying the right things to the poor. Our third point is compassion for the poor is gospel empowerment. Gospel empowerment. Listen, the gospel has the power to transform lives and communities. That's the good news of the gospel. It's a transformative message. It's not just a bumper sticker. It's something that changes the heart, changes absolutely everything. And here's the thing. We could give people food, financial aid, clothing, but if we're not proclaiming the truth of the gospel, we're not showing them real compassion. You think about it. We have the words of life that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if we deny people of those things, if we sit there and go, well, I'm not going to tell that to you. We're not being compassionate. We're actually being cruel. Because we're denying them the one thing that could actually make a systemic change in their whole life for eternity. It was interesting. I, I have a friend who is the president and CEO of an organization called Transformational Leadership Africa. And one day we got into a conversation and I said, you know, Faustin, I don't understand how there could be so many millions of dollars that flow through Africa, but it seems like nothing's changing. 
And he goes, you're right. He's like, because it's not about the money, it's about the gospel. We don't need money, we need the gospel. We need more of the gospel. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. We read in the Bible that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, sin has entered in the world. And because of that, our lives are a wreck and we are a wreck. Yet, Christ, being clothed in flesh, came down on this earth, lived a perfect life, died, was crucified, was buried, was resurrected. And when we put our faith in the only Savior, the bread of life, Jesus Christ, something happens, we're transformed. God makes a promise to us, and he says, because you put your faith in my son, I see my son now, not you and the brokenness, and you are made whole. And that has transformational power now and into eternity. Listen, giving bread to the poor is essential. We have to meet needs. But giving them the bread of life, Jesus Christ, is imperative. And it's true compassion. Let me ask you, when was the last time you shared the gospel with the poor? When was the last time you ever sh- you went and you said, you know what, I'm going to go buy groceries for this person. I'm going to give them some money, maybe a $5 bill. Did you, did you tell them the gospel? Did you tell them the good news of the hope that you have? The next thing they examined on me was my hands. They wanted to make sure that I had mobility, that I could still do things, that I had full mobility in my hands. It's the same thing with us. We need to be the hands of Jesus. We're called to be the hands of Jesus. So we see compassion for the poor is gospel action. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. Our gospel message must be defined by our gospel action. They work in tandem with one another. And just as easy as it is to do a lot of the social aspect or, or the social gospel, if you will, there's also a time where people could preach the gospel overtly by word and just sit on their hands. Now maybe it's at this point you're sitting there and go, well, how big of a deal is it to show compassion to the poor? Because I constantly hear about this compassion to the poor, compassion to the poor. And I want you to, I want to take a little excursion, excursion here for a minute. And I want to read the words of Jesus. And I want you to put yourself in this scene. All right, put yourself in this scene. I want you to imagine that you're here. Matthew, Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit in his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people from one another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So first we get this thing. I want you to imagine you're there. Christ comes back to establish his earthly kingdom. And all the nations, all these people are there. And you're there. And you're sitting there. And Christ begins the separation process. We pick it up. Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, 
Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So you're standing there, and he's telling you, he's saying, the way that you proved your love to me, and you truly loved me, was how you took care of the poor. And the way that you showed how much you really hated me was how much you didn't take care of the poor. And i got to ask you, if that was to happen right now, are you on the right or are you on the left? Are you on the right or are you on the left? Perhaps you've pronounced Christ as your Savior, but you've done nothing and sat on your hands. How much do you really love Jesus then? He's telling us you can't have one without the other. It's proclamation and action. Proclamation and action. The last thing that they looked at me was my feet. I'm kind of flat-footed, and I have two left feet almost because I can't dance. But they looked at me to see if I was still mobile. Could I, did I have mobility in my feet? Would I be all right? And could I walk all right? Was the gait of my walk fine? And it's the same thing with us. We must walk alongside the poor as Christ did. So the final point is compassion for the poor is empathetic companionship. Empathetic companionship. Proverbs 19.4 says, Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend to the poor, the person deserts them. Being poor can be isolating. It can be isolating. And it makes you very suspicious of others. Outsiders. And sometimes, all the time, it's very hard to come alongside the poor because of that. Working on the Indian Reservation really brought that home to me. We would have people, again, that would want to come down and they'd want to do some sort of outreach or ministry on the reservation. And they had this idea that they would go down to the reservation, it was going to be this, I call it, Dances with Wolves experience, um, where they go down there and they're going to see buffalo and you know, there's going to be you know, Indians on a horse running around and they're going to help out the Indians, and they're going to come alongside the poor, and there's just going to be this big, giant party, and everyone's going to love it. And the fact is, is that's not reality when you come alongside the poor. And you could get burnt out 
when we come alongside the poor. And we have to remember that when we come alongside the poor, that we are not their Savior. There's only one Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And it's important to remember that. Because there's nothing pretty about it. There's nothing pretty about coming alongside those that have just a mindset that you can't understand. Maybe you do understand because you've been there. You want to you pour into their life, but it's almost like they don't want you to pour into their life. You want something better for them, but maybe it looks like they don't want something better for them. There's nothing pretty about it. It's gritty. It's gritty coming alongside the poor. But it's life, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's the gospel. It's what Christ would have did. It's what Christ did coming alongside the poor. And here's the thing. Having a relationship with you, Christian, is probably the only Christ-like relationship they might be exposed to. Maybe you're the only person that represents Jesus to them because they've had some really bad representations of who Christ is in the past, or maybe not at all. So we're called to come alongside them, empathizing with them, understanding that we can't fix all their problems. There's only one Savior, but we're in this together. I'm right next to you on this. So let me ask you, what has your relationship to the poor been like? What has it been like? So at the conclusion of my head-to-toe examination, I realized I was pretty messed up. I thought I was pretty healthy, but there was a lot of things that were wrong. A lot of minor things that led to maybe some not-so-minor things. And so as we did this head-to-toe examination, where are you on compassion? Where are you on compassion for the poor? Here's my challenge to you and to us congregation. We need to get involved. We need to get involved. I'm not just talking about social action. I'm talking about get involved. I'm talking about a holistic gospel. I'm talking about maybe buy some of those Dunkin' Donuts cards. Maybe make some sort of homeless pack that has a gospel track or a little Bible with with some things they actually could use, you know, something like that, whatever. But be ready, be prepared, so when the Spirit puts it on your heart or when you come across someone, you can hand them something and say, here you go. Maybe it's just getting into a conversation and treating someone normal and just spending a few minutes with them, treating them like a human being and getting into a gospel conversation with them. Because here's the thing. People want to talk about their spirituality. People want to talk about where they're at. So I challenge you with that. If you need some ideas... I'd love to talk to you about some of those ideas. We have plenty of resources. We have plenty of people we can connect with here at the church that we could look into those things. But I want you to go and leave there and think, how, am I really compassionate? Am I really compassionate? This was a tough week for me, thinking about this. Because I don't think I'm as compassionate as I, I should be. Let's pray. Let's ask God to just bless this time. Let's ask God to really cement this message in our heart. Let's ask God to just lead us to gospel action. Let's pray. 
Father, we come to you right now. This is a heavy message. This is a heavy thing. We know, Lord Jesus, that you love the poor, you have compassion for the poor, you call us to have compassion for the poor. And I pray that you would expose these things in our hearts, these things that we, we feel are compassionate, but they maybe aren't compassionate, or maybe you could speak to us where we can be compassionate for your glory for the poor. Lord, we love you. We just ask forgiveness for the times that we haven't been compassionate. We ask for the times that we ignored the poor, where we walked by people and we've acted like they didn't even exist. We pray that you would reveal those, those, those things to us. You would give us more opportunities. I pray you would give us boldness to preach your gospel, to have a gospel conversation. I pray you would give us the boldness to accompany that with action for your glory. Work in us, Lord. We want you to be glorified, and we want to give true hope to people. We ask this. We ask that you would be with us as we go and we look for these opportunities. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.